Hey guys, my name is Lisa M. Waring and this is Real Talk, a podcast where I discuss movies and TV more extensively and how art imitates life, imitates art. For the final apocalyptic movie of this month's theme, you all voted and the winner was the 2022 sci-fi action adventure Moonfall. Well, it's, it's a movie, maybe two. I don't know how, but I'm gonna get y'all back for this. <laughs> I'm just playing. Spoilers ahead. Let's get into it. It's January 2011, and we've got a few astronauts in space on a satellite repair mission. We've got Jacinda in the ship, and on the outside, Brian and a rookie are repairing the satellite. The rookie's name is Marcus, but I wouldn't get too attached. Suddenly, the ship's power goes out and some black matter stuff crashes into all of them. What the hell is that? Brian manages to make it back on the ship. Rookie, not so much. He floats away. He didn't make it. Do they ever? Brian sees the moving black mass head straight for the moon and start tunneling on the surface. The ship has no power and Jacinda is knocked out. So Brian manages to steer it and get them back on Earth without power. They make it home safely, but instead of getting hailed as a hero, Brian is getting blamed by NASA for the failed mission. They don't believe his story about the black mass. And unfortunately, Jacinda was knocked out, so she didn't even see the black mass. She decides to back NASA instead of Brian. Ouch. I thought that was your work wife, dude. Side note, do what you do, but work wife and work husband terms, I don't know, they're just weird to me. Anyway, Brian gets fired. His wife and son, whose name is Sonny, are packing up the house and Sonny is, he's sad. He doesn't want to go live in New Jersey. I don't think anybody does. I'm just playing. Brian isn't even there when the house is getting packed up. Foreshadowing. So we jump ahead 10 years later and we are inside of a college campus after dark. There's a suspicious looking janitor cleaning the halls who sneaks into one of the college professor's office and starts hacking his computer. He makes a call and gets some files emailed to him. By the way, this dude's name is Casey. And then he heads over to work at a fast food joint. While he's there taking an order for a customer, he checks his email and sees the files have been delivered. And whatever he saw on his emails disturbed him and he left work immediately. Jacinda is woken up in the middle of the night by a phone call from her office telling her she needs to come in right away. Her house looks really nice. Apparently somebody's still getting that sweet, sweet NASA money. She gets to her office and her team tells her that the moon is out of orbit. Run that by me again. Not only that, but they also have some footage of some kind of swirling black mass on the moon. Casey is desperately trying to reach somebody at NASA, but no luck. He visits Brian at his job at the observatory and tries to convince him about the moon being out of orbit. Brian doesn't believe him and thinks he sounds kind of crazy, so he gets him thrown out. Honestly, can't blame him. Casey, my dog, you gotta work on your delivery. Besides, Brian's got a lot going on right now. He is not doing well. He's broke, basically just lost his job at the observatory, and he's about to be evicted. And it gets worse. Remember that foreshadowing I mentioned about him not being there to pack up the house? Yeah, well, his marriage didn't make it. Just then, his ex-wife calls him and tells him that his son 
who is now 18, has been arrested for running from the cops. His wife had gotten remarried to a new guy, Tom, and had more kids. So as you can imagine, Brian and Tom don't get along and they get into an argument over the fact that the judge put Sonny in jail. Back at NASA, Jacinda and the deputy and everyone else is trying to figure out what the heck is going on with the moon. And Casey is so frustrated that no one will listen to him that he releases all of his findings on Twitter. So now everybody knows about the moon coming out of orbit. Ooh, it's about to be pandemonium. Jacinda's ex-husband, who is a general for the U.S. defense, gets wind of the whole moon orbiting thing and gives her a call to find out what the heck is going on. I guess whether you work for NASA or get fired from NASA, your marriage is taking a hit. As can be expected, the whole world starts tripping out and going nuts. Stay awake, my brothers and sisters! Stay awake! The director of NASA holds a press conference with Jacinda and says that everything's going to be okay. They've already sent out a team to handle the whole orbit thing. We're all good. Liar, liar, pants on fire. The moon is directly connected to our tides, so if the moon starts tripping out, we're going to be seeing a lot more tsunamis. The news is telling everyone they need to get to higher ground, and everyone keeps talking about Colorado. Jacinda and the director send a ship up to the moon to see if they can figure out a way to get the moon back into orbit. Huh? You heard me. But the mission goes sideways when they get there. They see a huge tunnel-like hole drilled into the surface of the moon. They send a little orb down there to investigate. Suddenly a large black mass that looks like it's made up of a bunch of nanobites springs out of the hole, grabs onto the ship, and kills everybody. Brian, who hasn't been paying attention to anything, finally sees in the news that the moon is out of orbit. Brian tracks on Casey and asks him how did he know this was going to happen? Like, he was ahead of NASA. You know, it's not like NASA doesn't have all of the technology and access at his fingertips, but yeah. Some random guy hacks into a computer and figures it out before NASA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can happen. Casey tells him, you just think I'm crazy. Brian's like, tell me. Casey tells him that he believes the moon is a big mega structure whose power core has been impacted and is causing all the problems. Brian's like, yeah, you're right. That does sound crazy. So Casey asks a valid question. Why did you come down here if you weren't going to believe me? And Brian says, because I know what it's like to try to tell people something and not have them believe you. I know you think you're doing something with that line there, but that makes no damn sense. You literally just did to him what they were doing to you. With the moon falling out of orbit, the oceans start rising and flooding the cities and streets of the West Coast. And they're telling everyone to jump over to the East Coast because apparently that's what would happen if the moon came out of orbit. Just that. Okay, well, I'm on the East Coast, so I should be pretty fine. Ooh, but I do live in Florida, and we are definitely below sea level, so yeah, never mind. At NASA, they're reviewing the footage, and they realize that that black mass is some kind of space alien nanotechnology, like an evil AI. The director quits, so Jacinda steps up and takes over. With new clearance, she finds out some more dirty secrets. Apparently, NASA knew about the black mass even back when Brian was talking about it and they just basically covered it up and made him take the fall. Vindication. Too bad the whole world's gonna end before he can say I told you so. But what was the plan though, NASA? 
apparently they had started to build some kind of giant EMP to dismantle and destroy the alien, but then they lost budgeting and stopped working on the project and basically ignored the moon alien tech. Okay. Jacinda brings Brian and Casey to NASA and Casey immediately tells Jacinda his theory of how the moon was built by aliens. Both Jacinda and Brian just dismiss him. Right. <laughs> because that sounds crazy. Not the moon falling out of orbit. Not the space monster tech. That. That sounds crazy. Don't dismiss my boy Casey, okay? He's very smart. Jacinda needs Brian to land the shuttle without power on the moon and then use the EMP to destroy the evil AI monster. Cool plan, bro. Jacinda has a team retrieve his son, Sonny, from jail and bring him to the base. Someone's working on retribution. I'm not mad at it. Around the world, earthquakes and floods and wild stuff starts happening. Then an earthquake damages one of the engines of their shuttle, ultimately ruining their plan. So Jacinda dismisses everyone. Go ahead. You can all go home to die. That's it. It's over. When everyone's gone, they realize that because the moon is continuing to orbit, it's going to be closer to the Earth. And the gravitational pull from the moon would be enough force to help the shuttle lift off into space. Because that's how science works. So Jacinda sends her little son, Jimmy, along with the nanny and Sonny to drive off in a Jeep to reach her ex-hubby's general's base for safety. Yeah, I think I got that right. But they get carjacked on the way there and end up at a rest stop with a bunch of other campers. Then the moon just shows up, because that's how it works now, and starts messing with the gravitational pull. They manage to take cover in a shed that is somehow not pulled with the gravitational pull. Yep. Jacinda, Brian, and Casey make it to the moon and turn off the ship's power as they land. They set up the trap of the EMP and wait. The entity comes, but it ain't touching it. Then they realize that the entity is attracted to organic matter in a technical environment. It needs electricity and bodies in order to attack, which is why it attacks those astronauts inside of the spaceship. Jacinda uses this moment to tell them that her ex-hubby informed her that the military is planning to nuke the moon. So they have to hurry. I'm sorry, I don't think you heard me. They want to nuke the moon. That's their plan. To possibly survive one more day. Because if you nuke the moon, the fallout is going to kill us. What are we talking about? Brian, Jacinda, and Casey take their ship down into the tunnel that the entity had created. And it leads them to the moon's core. When they get there, they see that the inside of the moon is like the inside of a computer or a ship. Casey was right. This moon isn't a planet. It's like a machine, a mega structure. But it's dark, so they turn on the electronics so they can see better, which attracts the space tech monster thingy, and it starts chasing after them. It attacks the ship, damaging it greatly, but then like these doors open up, and they get to go through it, and the doors close, locking the creature out. Once inside, they realize there's no oxygen, and they all kind of get knocked out. Then some green glow light scans the ship and funnels in more oxygen. 
When Jacinda and Casey wake up, they see that Brian is missing. So they step out of the ship and they look around. It's kind of like this big hangar where they see other alien ships. And they start getting prompted by lights and noises. And they realize there's a second entity that's guiding them. I guess this is the good alien space tech. Brian wakes up inside of some kind of white room and the entity has entered his mind and is talking to him through images. It gives him a whole backstory complete with flashback scenes about the beginning. It tells Brian that millions and billions of years ago, our ancestors were thriving throughout the entire universe and had managed to establish galactic peace through advancements of technology and AI. Oh, but then the AI became self-aware and attacked and destroyed them. It was a bunch of the black mess nanotech AI just going around destroying all of their colonies. What is this movie? Before they were completely wiped out, they created one last arc and sent it to the far reaches of the universe away from the AI. The arc reached this side of the universe use the DNA embedded within it to create life on Earth. And that arc is the moon that has the good AI. Alrighty then. The good AI tells Brian that he needs to sacrifice himself when he kills the creature with the EMP so that the moon can naturally go back to its original orbit. Did I say good AI? Back on Earth, the moon is entering the Earth's atmosphere and it is causing a ruckus. Like New York is getting flamed. Isn't it always? Time is running out. They got to make a move. The military dudes are like, all right, let's set off these nukes. But Jacinda's ex, General, holds him at gunpoint. He's like, nah, my ex is up there. She gonna handle it. I believe in her. But before his military buddies can take him down, another earthquake causes the place to get caved in. Not entirely sure anybody made it. The good AI gives them a new ship or fixes their old ship or something. I kind of lost track of what was happening. And Brian informs them that he needs to stay and launch the EMP while they get away. Of course, Casey and Jacinda are like, no, we're leaving together. But Brian is very adamant. While Jacinda and Brian are going back and forth, Casey quickly jumps into the capsule with the EMP and sets them off and sacrifices himself, killing the evil AI. Brian and Jacinda manages to make it back to Earth and reunite with their children. Yay, the movie is finally over. Not quite yet. Back on the moon, a digital version of KC is created in that white room and the AI is speaking to him. The good AI scanned his consciousness and likeness so now he is a part of the moon system. Yay. Casey realizes that they saved Earth and he is very happy. Then the AI tells him, we should get started. Casey's like, started for what? Roll credits. My thoughts. This movie is unnecessarily long. It's literally two movies in one. We've got the moon falling to earth, ready to destroy it. And then our ancestors being in a centuries old intergalactic battle with evil AI from space. That's already a lot to digest. And then there were just too many side stories and quests. Like the side quest with Sonny, the nanny, and Jimmy trying to get to the general's base, which they never made it, but they made it to his 
his people's place. But again, it wasn't even worth mentioning. Like it, it was like a nothing. This worked for Independence Day, the first one, but not really here. And I think it's because other than KC, they don't really take the time to invest in the characters and develop them to make me care about them. The weird thing is how long this movie is, and I still feel like I did not have enough time with the characters. Several times during this movie, Casey was called crazy and dismissed. I can understand in the beginning, the initial theory about the whole mega structure and the moon becoming out of orbit. But once you've literally got space alien tech killing people, all of a sudden there's a threshold of disbelief that you're holding on to. No, at this point, anything is game. There's one key element I would have liked for them to change regarding the characters, and I think it's Casey and Brian. I feel like they should have already been friends. What I mean is after Brian is discarded and disgraced by NASA, he meets up with Casey and they become friends. And he is the only one that entertains Casey and his wild theories, but they have a good friendship. They're a good bond. And with Casey's personality and quirkiness, it's just enough of the light in Brian's life when everything else is garbage that keeps him going. You could even show that Brian is one of the few that acknowledges and is aware of Casey's level of intelligence and is always deterring him from pursuing NASA. Like, they're not worth it. You should do something better. I think it would have been more impactful to the story. And it would have made the emotional beats hit a little bit better, including the sacrifice scene with Casey. When they're on the moon inside the core and Brian is missing, Jacinda and Casey are walking around looking for him. And Jacinda calls out his name, Brian. And then Casey's like, Brian Harper. And Jacinda goes, how many Brian's do you think are on the moon right now? And I'm wondering if that's a direct callback to Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park Lost World when they're looking for his girlfriend and literally like the same lines, just a different name. Sarah! Sarah! Sarah Harding! How many Sarahs do you think are on this island? I don't know if it was intentional, but I caught it. I do like how in the beginning of the movie when they're on the satellite repair mission and the shuttle is, you know, powered out, Brian takes a hold of the controls and he says, I'm going to get you home, you know, to, to Jacinda who's knocked out and he gets them home. Then at the end of the movie, it is now Jacinda who has control of the ship and she says, I'm going to get you home and gets them home. I like that juxtaposition. I thought that was good. One of the ideas that they introduced that I thought was a good concept was the fact that our ancestors were the aliens that we have been searching for this whole time. When we've asked ourselves, is life out there? Does it exist? We are the aliens that we thought existed in the universe. I feel like that could have been its own standalone movie right there. And the fact that they achieved galactic peace, but was undone by their own uh, creation of AI, it's basically Terminator in space, which I would have been down for. And the battle on the moon between bad AI and good AI was another plot point that kind of caught my attention. But if you think you're going to ease my mind with the idea of good AI, nope. I'm going to keep my head on a swivel. Thank you. 
And all that talk at the end about getting ready for what? A sequel? Ugh. I mean, they only killed one bad alien AI. And in the flashback, it showed that there was a bunch of these dudes scouring the universe looking for the last remains of us. So there's something there. I know the movies are about fantasy and suspension of disbelief, but they had some grand ideas about how orbits and gravity and space works. It was quite comical. Fun fact about this movie, a real astronaut was on set during production as an advisor. Whenever he told the director, uh, that's not really possible, they would tell him, don't worry, just roll with it, it's a movie. That makes it even funnier because why bother having him on set if you're just gonna make your own rules anyway? Y'all think I'm lying? Look it up. Thank you guys for picking this uh, unique movie. I am very interested to see what Pitch Meeting had to say about this film. It wasn't awful, but I probably won't watch it ever again. What did you guys think about the movie? Let me know in the comment section. Let's talk about it. Guys, I know I just came off of a holiday break, but I'm gonna take another mini break because it's my birthday month, January. I'll be back in two weeks with a brand new theme and a brand new episode. Since February is Valentine's Day month, I figured why not check out unconventional love stories? These are definitely not your normal romantic comedies, but you're gonna be guaranteed a good time. First unconventional love story episode drops February 5th. Don't miss it. If you enjoyed hanging out with me today, please hit that like button, subscribe, ring that notification bell so you can always be kept in the loop on what's going on. For early access to episodes, exclusive content, perks, and bonuses, check out my Patreon, NXT Global Productions, and become a part of the community. We're also on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you listen to your podcast. Links are in the caption. Later!